Are your wiper blades chattering, skipping, or squeaking? Don't let streaks or smearing on your windshield compromise your visibility. When it's time to replace your wiper blades, stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts and see our selection. Our professional parts people will even install your new wiper blades while you wait. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. There's nothing like snook hook sets at dawn or catching a tarpon in the moonlight. Find your next fishing trip made easy on fishingbooker.com and experience the magic of the Sunshine State or any other destination on your fishing bucket list. Book a blue water adventure in search of sailfish or go snapper fishing with the kids. With over 6,000 captains and trips to choose from, planning your next one just got a whole lot easier. Download the Fishing Booker app on the Google Play or App Store or visit them online at fishingbooker.com to book your trip today. 46% of Americans expect to leave behind financial obligations when they pass away. So it's crucial to make sure your family is financially protected. Policy Genius helps you find the right life insurance coverage by comparing options from America's top insurers with help from licensed, award-winning agents. Secure your financial future with Policy Genius. Head to policygenius.com to get free life insurance quotes in just a few clicks. That's policygenius.com. Interstate Batteries has been a proud supporter of the Sportsman's Nation since day one. With over 200,000 locations throughout the U.S. and offering 12,000 different types of batteries, stop into your local Interstate Battery store today and let them help you find the right batteries for your everyday life. And for me, for me, number one, it is family. I mean, it's like I can't do any of this if I'm sacrificing really what's important in life. But if I build that right and my wife and I are, we're a partnership and, 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 and I'm supporting her and the things she wants to do and I'm providing for her and I'm, I got all, and my kids are fathered and I mean, you know, it's like all this stuff is in order. Then Clay can be gone for 18 days like I have been this month. I had an old Fred Bear hat. I mean, I was a little chubby kid with a Fred Bear hat on, always. <laughs> the dream is free, but the hustle is sold separately. You're d- yeah, that's a really good way to say it. You're, it- I've been waiting for 28 <laughs> episodes of this podcast <laughs> to say that. Yeah. And usually I say, go do a Black Bear hunt. If you're gonna, if you're gonna go guided, go on a Black Bear hunt. It's affordable, um, and uh, yeah, and it's fun. My name is Clay Newcomb, and I'm the host of the Bear Hunting Magazine podcast. I'll also be your host into the world of hunting, the icon of North American wilderness, the bear. We'll talk about tactics, gear, conservation, but we'll also bring you into some of the wildest country on the planet chasing bears. Welcome to the Bear Hunting Magazine Podcast. I believe the date is May the 16th, and we are in British Columbia, Canada, 
We are at Jeff Landers Camp Primitive Outfitting in, would you guys say we're in central British Columbia? I haven't even looked at a map. I have no idea where we are. <laughs> you terrible. guys don't even know. I know we're like 50 yards from that railroad track and 70 if from you, the kitchen. I bet if you got on that railroad track, you would end up in like Kansas City. No doubt. And then from Kansas City, you could probably get home. Depending on how fast the train was that hit you, I guess, is <laughs> where you landed. <laughs> well, we are in British Columbia, and uh, I did look at a map, and I would describe this as central eastern British Columbia, Canada, kind of, kind of more to the east. I got but you. This is the sixth day of our black bear hunt, and... I've got with me here in the, what do they call this cabin? What does Aaron call this cabin? Uh, he calls it his happy place. Uh, I don't know what they call it. But okay. <laughs> it's his favorite place in the world because his phone doesn't work here. Yeah, <laughs> it does not work here. No, we're at, uh, so Jeff at Primitive Outfitting, he's got, they've got a super nice, like, uh, I wouldn't call it a lodge, but a, a nice camp where a lot of the guys stay. But then there's these, like, outer bunk houses that were probably built in the 60s. I don't know when this was built, but uh, that's where we're at right now. And Aaron we're talking about is Aaron Snyder. He hunts up here a lot, and uh, Jake's a good friend of Aaron's. But uh, So let me introduce my guests. I've got with me Brent Reeves, who's been on the podcast several times. Brent's job is just to sip his coffee, try not to make slurping noises, and to just like maybe comment like, Every, I'm kidding, Brent. Noted. No, no, no. Brent, you're supposed to say stuff like, chili today, hot tamale. Uh, I've <laughs> already used of, that one. That's the kind of stuff you're supposed I've, to say. I've got more. Okay. Don't, don't so, y'all know Brent, but Jake Downs. I just met Jake this week, and uh, Jake is a, I'm going to let Jake, well, this conversation is going to be a lot about Jake, but uh, Jake is an accomplished, accomplished traditional archer, a young man. Jake's 31. Um, I guessed him a little bit older by the amount of critters that he stacked up with that trad bow. But, uh, now, Jake, tell us just a little bit about yourself. Just, like, where you're from and and uh, kind of yeah. what's going on. Yeah. No, um, I'm from uh, a little town in Shatter, Nebraska, northwest Nebraska. Um, I'm an electrician there. Uh, my wife, Lana... And I got a little two-year-old Alexa, um, and we pretty much live outdoors. It's uh, it's my life, <laughs> um, and I'm super lucky. Like I said, my wife is is a big part of why I get to do what I get to do because she supports me and takes care of everything yeah. while I'm gone. And I got brothers that work for me. I own my own business, so um, I can work hard when I need to and play hard when I want to. So it's it works pretty good. Yeah. Man, that's awesome. Um, now you, well, let's see. Yeah, let's. We'll go ahead and get into this. So you have you've taken the Super Ten with a traditional bow, mm -hmm. um, and you said something the other day while we were out there shooting. You said that, uh, well, so the perception of someone that gets to travel and hunt and for clarification the super 10 let's talk about the, what the super 10 is the super 10 is basically a it's a a way to describe taking the 10 species kind of big game animals in north america which would be what tell us what the super 10 is 
Uh, I've said this a bunch of times, but I'll just I'll just list them off. Um, basically, so the twenty nine is all big game animals recognized by Pope and Young or whatever. Um, so it's one out of every subspecies. So it's one deer, one elk, one bear, one moose, uh, one caribou, mountain lion, um, antelope, and then you got sheep, goats, uh, mountain goat. And then, um, what am I missing? The uh, bison. Yep, yeah. bison or or uh, muskox. Bison is, or muskox. Yep. yep. So, so the 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 twenty nine big game species in North America would be all those, but inside of like moose, there's like three different types of moose. There's yep. Canada moose, Shiras yep. moose, yep. and Yukon moose. Yep. So the Super Ten just says, hey. Just just harvest one of those animals. It, yep, it gives guys uh, something to shoot for. You know, <clears throat> the twenty nine uh, becomes a rich man's game. Not necessarily, but I mean, there are some like polar bear, um, stone sheep, some stuff that it's just not realistic. I mean, I'm not saying I could never get there. Right. Uh, I may be mortgaging the house to do it. <laughs> I right. who knows? But I'm, you know, I'd never want to cut myself off of a goal or, or whatever, not that I'm going after that, but, uh, uh, it just get, gave me something to shoot for. Um, I was about halfway there and I was like, Hey, I'll just keep, yeah. you know, and I like going to new places, new things. So, yeah. Well, so getting to the point now, now we've defined what the super 10 is and what you said to me was that, you know, typically or the the stereotype would be that that would be a rich man's game to be able to do all those things. But you said, you said uh, if a guy can be disciplined, if he can plan ahead, and you know pay for some because some of these hunts you have to be guided on. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Some of them you draw for, and you work hard for the draws. But I mean, basically, you've played the system very well and have succeeded. Yeah. I mean, inside of. Uh, now, which of those hunts did you have to be guided on? Um, technically, I mean, uh, the mountain goat I was guided on, and that I had to be. No, that was on. in Alaska. That was in Alaska. I could have obviously waited and drawn that tag, maybe. Like in Idaho, or yeah, I could have. You know, Colorado. you never know. Colorado. I send in for all those states, but um, point creep's gotten so bad. You know, I'm young enough that I, and I didn't start early enough that I. It's not really. You mean you didn't start putting in when you're nine years old? No, no, I didn't. Uh, my dad used to take us hunting. You know, we'd do that, but uh, I didn't really start doing the points until I was almost twenty. So I was kind of out of the game. Uh, you can always get lucky, but I, I just, you know, decided like I told you. Just uh, some of these hunts, you can just book in advance uh, a couple years. Usually, good outfitters are booked out at least a year or two in advance, right. anyway. Yeah. Um, so the bison I was guided on because of that reason, uh, the, uh, bison I was guided on, and that would be a really tough one to get without a guide, but you can do it. Um, right. Arizona, you can draw a tag and there's some other spots that are, that are, there's only the ones, and, and I'm by no means an expert, but there are, there are, I believe three wild bison herds, one in Alaska, one in Alberta, I yeah. think Pink Mountains in Alberta. Yeah. Um, but uh, but anyway, that's neither here nor there. But the, yeah, there's there's a few. There are places where you can hunt bison. Yeah. 
a guy could actually do it. Uh, the place to live would be Colorado to do it because they've got the Big Eight, um, which is, uh, of course, they're missing Caribou. Um, what else so Colorado has eight of them. Well, they don't. If have you eight. count the bison, which there's there, there's some places that are there are considered free range bison. No, in Colorado, they don't have any. That, well, um, yeah, I mean they that is a free range. Uh, yeah, but that would be a guided hunt because that's a, a ranch. There is no draw on bison in Colorado, but they're big eight. I think they consider a whitetail and a mule deer in that. So there's two deer on on the big eight because I, I believe they're missing, well, I know they're missing caribou. Um, they'd have the mountain lion. Bison. Yeah, they'd have everything except for caribou, bison. Uh, I mean, as far as drawing it, um, that might be it, maybe. Yeah. But anyway, yeah, no, it, it's uh, it's doable. You know, if you, if you budget your time and budget your, um, I mean... I'm in no way making minimum wage. I'm not saying that, but I, what I'm saying is when I started, I was working, uh, I think honestly I was making like 13 bucks an hour, 12 bucks an hour. And, uh, I was just like, I want to go bear hunting. So I just booked a $2,000 bear hunt and paid on it for a couple of years and, and went bear hunting. And I, that was what opened my eyes. I was like, man, I you so can the, do this. Bear was the first one you went on. Bear, I, yes, bear was the you know, first. I, I think that's notable on the Bear Hunting Magazine yeah. podcast. Yeah, for real, because black bear really is probably the most accessible. It is. Got you know traveling guided hunt because of the opportunity. There are bears everywhere. The hunts are relatively inexpensive. Yep, and their the seasons are happen at a time in the spring when not much else is going on. So. Yep. I I tell people that all the time. People ask me, you know, what do I what do I do? What do, you know, I've killed, I've you know, I've killed antelope and deer. I wanted something else. I want something new. What should I go do? And usually I say, go do a black bear hunt. If you're gonna if you're gonna go guided, go on a black bear hunt. It's affordable, um, and uh, yeah, and it's fun. Like um, you know, this is a spot and stock hunt. Uh, and I love it. This is fun. It's fun to sneak on bears, but I'll be honest, it's fun to sit and watch bears come to you. I mean, yeah. I, you know, I have no problems with baited hunts. Uh, I've sat on bait for long hours and not seen it. I sat for my, well, my very first hunt. I went to Idaho and I sat for a full week and never saw a bear. Never, wow. never laid eyes on a bear. Um, I always joke cause, uh, there was actually a blind guy in camp, and I always say he that... He saw more bears than you. I, well, what I say is there's <laughs> two guys in camp that uh, didn't see a bear, and one guy shot one. <laughs> he shot a bear. <laughs> so, Did he? Yeah. His guide sat behind him and lined him up. And oh, it, wow. It's that's crazy. Awesome. So, so it wasn't like I went to a bad spot. Um, I made a good friend with with the uh, guide there. They, I, The outfit changed names. I've never been back there, but... Uh, um, yeah, I mean, people get a, you know, you can come up to Canada and you can go to some places that's just crawling with bears, but you can also, I've been in Canada and, uh, one of the pl- places I went, I didn't end up with a bear. I saw two bears in a week. Yeah. And, uh, so I mean, the, 
do your research. If you're going to go bear hunting, uh, maybe not look for the biggest deal out there, but right. um, even those places a lot of times are, are good. And, and what's cool about bear hunting, you don't have to get up at four o'clock in the morning and yeah, walk yeah. your butt off. Usually you're hunting the afternoons. You're hunting the afternoons. That's and, and when you're in Canada, a lot of times you can go fishing. I mean, it's a it's a family thing too. Take your yes. family. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, it, sure. You know, your family can hang out in the cabin. There's a lot of places that have cabins that are really fun right on the water. That was one place me and my dad went and uh, fished all day. He caught fish yeah. and cooked it every night. I mean, it was, it's, bear hunting has got to be one of the most fun things to do, and there's nothing else to do in the spring. Like, right. Other than turkeys, uh, you know, but yeah. if I got choice between turkeys and bears, I'll go, you know, hunt bears. So Yeah. Uh, and what you, it's awesome that you just said all that because that's what, that's what we say all the time. Yeah. Is that what other big game animals can you hunt in the spring? Yeah. What other big game animals are as widely distributed and the opportunity is there? And, and geez, we found out and have well, experienced it again this week. This is a challenging hunt. Yeah. yeah. A challenging hunt. Mm-hmm. Um, so before we jump into bears, because what I want to do is I want I want to talk a little bit more about your traditional archery hunting. Sure. Um, but then I do want to talk about this week. So. Let's go back to the Super 10. So what got us there was you said that the first outfitted, like, traveling hunt you did outside of Nebraska was a bear hunt. Mm-hmm. Um, so you took these animals with a traditional bow. When did you start traditional archery hunting? And, and what what was that transition like? Because I think that's a lot of the questions a lot of people have. Lots of guys are shooting compound archery. I mean, almost everybody. There's, there's very few people that are just rifle hunters anymore. I mean, like, everybody's yeah. got a compound bow. And more and more, we're seeing people that are getting interested in traditional archery. It's become um, it's becoming more mainstream to shoot trad bows. Yep. But the thing that messes with everybody's mind is, is if I go traditional, am I going to quit killing game? Yeah. You know what I mean? So how do you make that transition? I know for me, for 10 years, I mean, I got my first trad bow early on. I mean, uh, 2003 or something. And for 10 years, basically, I just kind of, I was on that fence of, well, I could carry this, but it's going to limit me so much. And, you know, and at the time, I was just a young hunter, just happy to take game any way I could. So it's like I did, I wasn't quite ready to have that limitation. And then in the last five and six years, I've taken on that challenge more readily. But what was your transition like? Uh, yeah, I'm like, I'm, I'm extremely on the weird side, I guess I've told that. Uh, so when I started bow hunting, I, uh, when I was a kid, my dad bow hunted, he killed a bunch of big white tails with a bow and, uh, he was, he shot a old, I don't even know what it was, old tiny wheel compound, no sights and with mm. fingers. Huh. Um, and so that's how I started. With a compound, that's how I killed my first deer. Was with just a bare bare bow compound. Tiny wheels, is that what they no. called you? <laughs> Tiny wheels. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was that was my nickname. Um, well, so that's how I started. I killed my first few deer with that, and uh, it was just a gradual. You know, it took me a few years to kill my first deer. I think I might have been fifteen, mm-hmm. sixteen. I don't. You know, start you start when you're twelve. Yeah, we hunted elk every year with muzzleloaders. I mean, I I started out kind of that way but i love the bow like i um i can remember going elk hunting when i was 12 and taking my bow not to hunt elk with but to shoot grouse or whatever like that was my thing the bow 
I had an old Fred Bear hat. I mean, I was a little chubby kid with a Fred Bear hat on always. <laughs> my transition was weird. I I killed my first couple of deer, and then when I was probably I don't know, I was probably sixteen ish. I bought a Hoyt Game Master uh, mm-hmm. recurve because I was I think I was shooting Hoyt's uh, compounds, and it just looked cool. You know, it has the had the machine riser. I was like, man, this is. This is cool looking. I, I'm gonna try to be like Fred Bear, you know. I'm gonna. That's what my theory was. So I started shooting it and struggling, and of course I did what everybody shouldn't do. I bought a 55 pound bow, yeah. and because I was shooting 60 pounds on my compound, I thought, well, heck, yeah. I can do this. So, yeah. uh, so I struggled with it. I killed a rabbit with it, and uh, I think I hunted with it for like a year. Missed some deer. Just had had trouble. And sold it, went back to, I'm not even sure I really went back to a compound. I, I kind of took some time off there, and then I finally went, was going to college and working and, and uh, bought another Game Master, somewhere right around that 19. It all gets kind of blurry um, those years, but uh, um, started shooting that, struggling again, and I did the same thing. I bought a heavy bow, and there wasn't all this, there wasn't an Aaron Snyder out there uh, talking about tuning and how to actually work into it and the in the clums out there where you could get on and, and watch, you know, buy their video and actually learn form. Right. All the, the good stuff that people have that available to them these days. So I guess long-winded to answer your question, I am very strange. I, I worked from instinctively shooting moved into a compound because when i okay, bought my so you start you started with kind of the instinctive I, shooting yeah i mean yeah. i can i think when i was a kid i might have had sights on my bow at one time or another but i don't really remember having sights on my bow ever yeah. as a thing until i was about 20 ish and i had this recurve and i had some extra money so i was like all right and i was at this point i'm a big fan of fred eichler so he was kind of switching back and forth so i was like i'm gonna buy a compound with sights and do all that and then uh i can hunt with the recurve and the i I did find myself still when i still hadn't killed much going on an antelope stock and having both in the truck and grabbing the recurve yeah it was just something i i knew i didn't have as good of a chance with it but um it just the recurve, you know. I was drawn to it. I, I like the simplicity of it. It was just. Um, so did you? So you did some, you did some compound hunting then in your twenties. Then is that yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I mean, I still hunt with a compound now and then. Uh, this year I haven't done as much. Last year I killed a couple animals. Usually, it's for me. It's kind of like my rifle hunt. People. I right. still don't. I still don't. There's uh, times when you don't. You don't choose your weapon as the limiting factor. Right. That's the way that I describe some of my hunting. It's like sometimes a hunt. I don't want the weapon to be the limiting factor. Right. The, right. the the animal, the terrain, the maybe even the environment. I mean, maybe I'm going somewhere with friends and family, and I just they're rifle hunting, and I'm just like, you know what, I'm gonna do this. You know. Mm-hmm. So you you choose where you want that limiting factor to be. Yeah, and I, it's funny, I have friends of mine that ask me, like, how do you choose what bow you're going to take? And I'm like, you know, I, it's, I don't know, I, you know, I, I kill some stuff with the, with the recurve, that's my main weapon, um, and then antelope, for a good example, in Nebraska, uh, 
we don't have a lot of water holes. Uh, the terrain's pretty open. I got a few spots you can get pretty close, but not, you know, pretty close being 40 yards. And I love eating antelope. So almost every so year you, I grab the compound yeah. and I go shoot one. And yeah. that's one of those hunts where I just want an antelope. You know, to me, that was a, what we're describing here is the ability to move from weapon to weapon. And when I first start, when I first got into traditional archery, the mentality was inside of like the hardcore traditionalist guys was that if boy, it's all or nothing. Yeah, I mean, I, I literally had yeah. the yeah. guy that kind of mentored me and a great man that I respect to this day and thank him for getting me into traditional archery. I mean, he was kind of like, and, and in some ways he was right. He was like, if you want to be proficient with a trad bow and actually do good, you got to go all trad. And I mean, I totally get that. But, but, so I struggled with that because I wasn't ready to dive all the way in. But now I think what we're seeing is guys that are, that you can move back and forth. And it's not just like the ultimate sin to move back and forth. I tell guys all the time, like I've heard that one too. And I've heard, I had one guy tell me that, well, he wasn't telling me, an outfitter told me about him. Apparently he was a terrible, terrible shot with a, with a recurve, but that's what he wanted to hunt with. But he decided to shoot his recurve left-handed because he hmm. shot his compound right-handed. That was his, so he didn't mess up his form. Like uh, print, so he didn't heard, mess up his form. I've that heard sounds some, like something Brent would do. Yeah, uh, I bet. I've heard some crazy stuff, and to be honest, for me, um, I I shoot my recurve every single day for the most part. I mean, there's some days where work gets in the way and, and I just run out of daylight, but I'm probably the most hardcore recurve guy as anybody, I mean, yeah. I'm as oh, yeah. good as if you as stuck hardcore. with it on all the hunts that you have, no doubt you're yeah. not. You're not. I, I I'm very hardcore traditional, uh, but I get to go on enough hunts where it's still fun to pick up the compound. And for me, it does. It doesn't change the way I hunt. I've shot. Uh, I've only shot one animal past 35 yards with a compound. Yeah, uh, and that was an antelope last year so for me i don't change the way i hunt it just makes me you know that 35 yard shot 35 40 yard shot that's more of like a 20 yard shot with my stick bow so it just makes me a a shade more proficient and i can pick up my compound and shoot at 40 yards Um, and i think that's for me it makes me a better shot with my compound because i don't um if i shoot my compound the way that i shoot my trad bow and i'm not saying like grip and rip it type of stuff but if i just put that pin where I know I would be looking and just yeah. let it and just let the bow go off. It lands there. You it know, it, it's, out. yeah. Um, what is the, so of all, of all the super 10, what was the toughest hunt? Uh, ah, I should have known you were going to ask me that. Um, well, let me, the, I'll give you a mentally or like some of the hunts were mentally tough. Like the, the goat hunt. Yeah. That was very mentally tough because that was the most I'd ever spent on an animal as far as uh Okay, because it was a guided hunt. And it was mentally tough because uh, the terrain was tough. You were in Alaska. I was in Alaska. We, w- uh, we got rained out for three days. And, uh, you know. So there's three it, of your. I think it was a six or seven day hunt. So, um, that that one was mentally tough knowing. And then also the fact that. Um, and this is most cases, but if you wound one, you're done. If you yeah. draw blood, you're done. So 
I wanted a close shot. So that that's that puts a lot of pressure on you <clears> to, yes, to make a good shot and and hope that it doesn't fall off a cliff to somewhere where you can't get it. I mean, that hunt was was it yeah. was it was mentally tough because the pressure. Yeah. Um, as far so as, actually taking the goat was not as. I mean, uh, you're you know, seeing a lot gonna, of animals. I'm not going to make light of it. We did see. <laughs> I killed my goat on the second day of hunting. Full full day of hunting. We we hiked up the morning before, stalked a, a billy, got within twenty eight twenty nine yards, and I wanted to get just a little closer. Yeah. And it moved and and caught my silhouette on a on a hill ridge top, and he was gone. And then the next day we didn't find any billies until midday, and they were clear across. And we ended up making a a big long stock and. You know, I tell people I'm lucky a lot, and I really feel like a lot of hunting is luck, but you got to make that luck. It's not like yes. I'm like, oh, I'm just wandering around the woods shooting and getting lucky. It's you work hard, and then eventually it's just almost Something like happens in your favor. Exactly. The animals are not lucky that day because, I mean, we this goat we had saw, we, we really had saw the goats from afar but we knew there was goats where we were hunting so we were like well we're gonna try to find these goats and those goats laid up there all morning till noon and finally we're like we're just gonna go after them so we made a huge long probably hour long stock ended up getting above where we thought this goat was just in time like he probably within five minutes he got up below us because we couldn't look over the ledge he was probably within 10 yards of us mm. but there was a billy up on the hill looking towards us so we had no idea and we yeah. were both me and the guide who was an amazing guy we were looking at each other like what are we going to do now <laughs> and then all of a sudden we just we didn't have to make a decision it got made for us and, and the, the billy walked out walked up how yep. far was the shot? I want to say like 22, 23 yards, I that's, think. And that's a long poke for a trad bow, even it, somebody who's really it, good. It, uh, you know, and, and I'll be honest, I didn't make a perfect shot, but I, I hit him a little far back. He ran down the hill, and if an animal's still standing, I'm still launching arrows. Yeah. So I ran up to a little knoll, and he stopped about 40 yards, quarter and pretty hard away, and I angled one just past his hip into him, and he ran up, and... Uh, and he went up onto a snow bank, got kind of high, and he got on this big ice patch, snow patch, and lost his legs and just slid to the bottom, and mm-hmm. he was done. Like he, um, mm-hmm. you know, it only took me basically a day and a half to get this Billy on the ground. But in my mind, if we was screwed a- that stock up, there was enough goats up there that I was right. going to get plenty of stocks. Like I, I felt pretty confident I was going to get yeah. a, a good shot. Yeah. Um, that's one good thing about goat hunting. And they, you know, they're not um, that weary because there's not that much for predators up there. I mean, there's yeah. bears up there. Fairly, but fairly, not easy to stalk, but they're the, not the like terrain, an antelope. Yeah, the terrain is what makes it tough just because of some. And where we were was fairly mild. I mean, there were some spots where it wasn't so mild where we yeah. were. But uh, where we stalked him was was extremely mild for goat country. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then you, uh, so just move, kind of moving quickly through the Super 10, the sheep. That would probably be a big thing that people would just say, man, how am I going to ever afford a $40,000, you know, sheep yeah. hunt somewhere? Yep. But you drew a U tag yep. in uh, what state? Uh, Nevada. Nevada. He, he, he told me the story last night, but 
you drew a U tag in Nevada yeah. over the counter yep. and went in and did your homework and uh and killed a killed a U over water. Yep. Well, and I, uh I'll just you said over the counter, but it is actually a draw. Well, a draw. I'm know, sorry. Yeah, and you said I mean, draw just you too, didn't you didn't buy an out it, you no, didn't right. it no. wasn't an outfit at No, it wasn't. That's what I mean. Um it, it was a uh um and and now it's I've sent in for it since and uh what happened was they made the the Nevada Game Parks put this. Um, I think there was they gave three tags, and they, it just started the year that. And a buddy of mine found out about it and told me about it. And me and him and another guy sent in for it, and two of us drew. Of course, no the guy way. that found out about it didn't draw. Oh, wow. <laughs> uh, now it's only. I mean, it's like a fifteen percent. Because more people found out of it. That was the first yeah. year, so nobody knew about it. So nobody sent so in for just, it. You were know? just throwing so the ball on we, that we, one. I got lucky that he let me in on that. And uh, that was a really fun hunt. Went up there. And, and it would have been it would have been tough with the stick on the ground just because of the, it's so open and it was real shaly and, and pretty loud stalking. And I was getting 40 yards easy. But like I said, I had set up a ground blind. And I had no – I didn't even – think that that was going to work but it, it ended up working and, and see that's that's what it is i mean just your your track record is telling me you just have a way of figuring out how to make it work and yeah. that's what a good hunter does is just figuring out how to make it work your uh your moose that's another one people might be like well heck how am i going to for- afford a twenty thousand dollar yukon moose hunt well he you drew a tag in colorado yep a cow tag yep and so, you know, when I looked through the pictures of your Super Ten, I thought it was awesome because you had a you had a U sheep, you had a big old cow elk, which would have been a Shiras. I mean, you know, in the lower forty eight, right? Uh, um, and uh, so it's it's kind of like you. Uh, I mean, I think it's cool. I mean, you 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 worked it, and you experienced those hunts. Yeah, you experienced, caught you know taking these animals the meat and and i've seen this week that uh you're not a you you don't really care about the headgear obviously i know you'd like to kill big critters yep but i mean you're just as tickled to take whatever yep yeah no it's uh, and that's i always uh, you know i bring fred eichler up a lot and i know you know he's He's commercialized a little bit now. I think he's still the same kind of guy, but uh, you know, we can't blame a guy for for jumping on the money train, but uh back when I was watching him and he had his old videos and stuff and he was, you know, shooting does or cow elk and and uh, actually he's the one that I got the idea for the the sheep and the the moose. That's how that's what he has. I mean, he's got a one of his sheep is a ewe and one of his and his shiris moose is a cow. Yeah, and so that you know that's what, and I was like, man, that's awesome. He got to go and hunt, and, and well, you get uh, the same experience. I mean, you like you, when you killed yeah. that, uh, when you killed that sheep, you you said that there were big, huge rams was, standing right beside the yeah. you that he killed. I mean, yeah. so you, you know, you could have yeah. did it. You yeah, I could have killed a, I could have killed a ram, and I could have honestly on the moose hunt. The moose might have been one of the tougher hunts because on the moose hunt, all I was seeing was big bulls. Uh, mm. It was harder to find a cow than wow. it was to find a, and and you wouldn't think that, you yeah. know. I mean, uh, and a lot of times people don't realize that, you know, if you go with a cow tag, any time I've ever had a cow elk tag, I've 
seeing nothing but bulls Covered and up. any yeah. and and the cows are are smarter than the bulls. You know, I mean, if you, honestly, they're in survival mode always. Yeah, you know, bulls are you know they Sometimes get in the get rut and and I'm not saying a, a big old bull isn't smart, but. He can let his guard down, and, and a cow, I don't think, ever lets their guard down. That's a good down. point, yeah. So, um, yeah. you know, it, it doesn't take away from the challenge. There's more of them. Yeah. That's the only advantage there is. But sometimes that's a disadvantage. Because yeah. there if there's well, sometimes more, they're more grouped eyes. Up. Yeah. Sometimes they're grouped up. You know, the females are going to be grouped yep. up. Um, Brent, any thoughts on the Super 10? Because I want to transition into yeah. this hunt because, because Jake killed a bear this week, and we're still after one. This is this is the question I got. Had you, how did you get to the point to where you you thought, well, hey, I you know I've got, I think I've got all these animals here. I can do this, 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 and I can have the super ten. Did somebody say, hey, Jake, look at what you've done here, or did you start out at the beginning saying, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to kill these, do the super ten. Right. Um, no, actually, uh, it, I was probably about halfway before i thought i could probably get it done you know and, and actually went after it i mean i knew about it all you know always thinking it would be kind of a cool honestly when i was younger uh you know guys like uh, you know i read um chuck adams book yeah. you know the super slam book and yeah. then uh fred went and did it with the with the recurve and i was like man that is cool but that is there's no you know i've killed a you know, handful of deer and so, and an antelope and this and that and, and a bear or whatever. Actually, it was a mountain lion that I'd killed. But um, I was like, man, that'd be cool. It's kind of a lifetime goal. Like, I can do this. And then as I knocked a couple more off the list, got about halfway done, I was like, well, hey, I'll just keep, you know, every year I'll try to go on another adventure. And, and every year, you know, I got my business, so I was able to – uh, have a little more free time at, at certain points and it's only gotten a little better and better um so it it kind of i always knew about it but right. it and it was maybe always kind of a goal in my head as yeah. far as eventually but when i got four or five animals i then it was like all right yeah, i'm gonna I do, do this. this set set a goal and, to do it and, and it kind of went i'm very goal oriented it, it once i set one it it's just well, let me follow that hard. let me follow that question up with this one was it when you first knew about it when you first learned about it about the super 10 and then you started clicking them off was it harder than you thought it would be more of a challenge or was it easier did it come to you like man i can't believe this is happening um this quick at, <clears throat> at the beginning it was it was hard i went on quite a few actually that's funny cuz the bear was one of the harder animals to get for me. Um, I had a couple hunts where I didn't see any, didn't get a shot, and uh, I was bargain hunting. All the places I went were good places. I never had a bad, bad experience. I'm yeah. not saying I, but uh, you know, there just wasn't the the mass bears like you see. So once I got that accomplished, um, it started clicking a little bit more as I went. I mean, it, yeah. it seems kind of. Well, I mean that makes sense, but um, the first few animals to get were were tough, and and elk. Was, when did you complete it? Uh, last year. What animal completed the slam? Um, uh, my bison. The bison. I yeah. actually shot. It was, uh, 
last year was kind of a crazy year. I shot a mountain goat in September and then a bison in this December to finish it. Yeah. So and so uh, you're 31 years old. I, that's that's pretty cool. You know, to me, I always <clears throat> a guy a guy. The cool thing about hunting in North America is that a guy can find the challenge that is scripted just for him and what he needs to do. I mean, like I'll I'll probably never even attempt to do the Super Ten. My goals right now inside of my life are to bear hunt all across this great land and and experience all that the bear hunting. I mean, like and that's a pretty unique challenge. I mean, yeah, not many is. people are trying to do that. Yep. Uh, but for my world, that those are my main goals. Now I'm still doing a lot of other stuff, but but because I think sometimes like. The reason we're having you on this podcast is not to elevate the slam to this thing because there's a lot of people that are never going to do that, right. and that's not. But what I like about what I see and hear inside of you is that you set a goal, you built your you built your business, you built your family, and you kind of built your life like pointed in this direction. Yeah, and it took a lot of coordination, yeah, and it, it took a lot of. And, and now I don't know your family and stuff, but you know I know there's a lot of people that have wrecked their families pursuing goals and 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 when i hear you talk about your family and wife like i i I hear that you've calculated them into the equation yes and so it's like you kind of got this thing prioritized and uh it just and if you prioritize your life and you get a lot of stuff right and for me for me number one it is family i mean it's like i can't do any of this if i'm sacrificing really what's important in life but if I build that right, and my wife and I are we're a partnership, and 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 I'm supporting her and the things she wants to do, and I'm providing for her, and I'm I got all, and my kids are fathered, and I mean you know it's like all this stuff is in order. Yeah. Then Clay can yes be gone for 18 days like yes. I have been this month, um, and and I think a lot of people miss that, Jake, and uh, because there's a there's there's guys I was reading a book yesterday this. It's a hunting book, and this guy just nonchalantly made a comment that uh, he hunted. It was a guy trying to train a pack of hounds. I'm not going to name the book, and he and his wife left him just because he hunted too much. And he just said it like it was just like no big deal, and he just moved on. And I, anyway, I'm a family man, Jake. That, I mean, me too. Uh, yeah, and see, that's what people don't understand. I actually had a guy comment. Here's what I get. Um, I get the comment, "Oh, you're so lucky. You're you're so lucky to get to to go um or it'd be nice. When do you work?" Yeah. And you know, I don't even it doesn't honestly bother me, but uh when I get those comments, I'm like, "Well, so anyway, I I I said something about that, you know, hey, uh I can't remember what I was doing, but um it's got to be a balance. It's got to be a balance of everything. I spend a ton of time with my family. I spend a ton of time working. I mean, my brothers are a big help to me when I'm when I'm gone. They're taking care of things. Uh, they you know they work for me. They're I can trust them. They, it, it, that works. Yeah. See, yeah, yeah. and like you were saying, I've built every part of my life around this. And and people, you know, I, I drive a fourteen thousand dollar truck. Not a $50,000 truck. Uh, I mean, I live in a pretty nice home, but it was just by sheer luck, and it didn't cost me that much. But So, 
I don't even really know what I'm, I'm getting at, but there's got to be a balance. You can't spend all day Sunday watching football and expect to, you know, Sunday, if I'm home, me and the family are hiking or me and the family are going fishing or, um, you know, if I'm home, that's what I'm doing. I'm spending my time with my family. I think what you're trying to say, Jake, is the dream is free, but the hustle is sold separately. You're, yeah, that's a really good way to say it. You're, it I've been waiting for 28 <laughs> episodes of this podcast to say that. Yeah, yeah, that's a good way to say it. it um, you know, I mean, I when I'm at home, usually I'm up by 4 o'clock in the morning, uh, and uh, I'm doing something, paperwork or... Sometimes I'm playing with my little girl because she's awake, too. Um, Sometimes she's doing paperwork. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I wish she could. Um, you know, and uh, it, it's just... Well, what what I'm here, I think it's really clear what you are saying and what we're seeing is that yeah. you work hard for this. I mean, you're not you're not a rich boy that just gets to yeah. do what he wants and has the money to go. I mean, you're working for this stuff. And, I, and that's, that's what's cool. And that, I guess... It's probably surprising and would be to a lot of people um, is that uh, these things are doable if if it's what you want to do. And, yeah. But and I'm not suggesting that everybody should do it. I yeah, mean, me you neither because I don't want I don't want all the competition. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, leave the U tags for Jake. That's right. That's right. I got to stop talking about that stuff because people are are definitely getting more involved in that. Because, um, but yeah, I mean, uh, it. <laughs> That's the thing. It, the pe- most of the people that actually say that that you're so lucky, they don't even hunt deer when they can. I mean, in their backyard. So it's just a thought. Yeah. You know, and a ro- they romanticize hunting. They don't. Yeah. A lot of people romanticize hunting, and a lot of people uh, bear hunting. This like, and I'm not saying bear hunting is easy. That is not what I'm saying at all. I'm just saying it's more laid back than like a. Uh, a backpack elk hunt when you're sure. grinding every day all day yeah and you know you're eating your mountain house in the tent going what am i doing up here this is yeah. insane i would rather go back to work yeah um, oh yeah it's tough you know i mean some of the vacations and i use the air quotes on that uh that i take are not vacations i mean i'm, right. I'm working harder when i come back from a, some hunts i tell my wife because you know the perception is you've been out for a week doing yeah. something you're passionate about. Exactly. And I say, I feel like I've been in a war. <laughs> I'm exhausted. Now it's time to <laughs> get rested up. But what did I say? You know, when we left the lodges, well, I'll go to come over here to do this. I said, man, I'd be glad to go back to work so I can get some rest. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Hey, out. we're at, uh, let's, let's, we've got about 10 minutes here. And uh, I want to just briefly, t- we got, I got to go kill a bear. This is the seventh, sixth day of my hunt. We got to leave tonight. Um, but I want to talk just real briefly about uh, so this hunt, and I'm not even going to get into my side of it. We'll I'll do that later. But you killed a bear on the first day. <laughs> well, I'm not very picky. Um, you know, for me, uh, opportunity is my window. And, yeah. and to be honest, I've killed a lot of big animals that way, uh, and I've killed some small ones. And and my bear was just an average bear. Just you know, we we snuck up on it, and the guide was back and forth. Oh, shoot it. Man, I don't know. He's not very big. He shoot it. I, I don't know. Yeah, he, he was. Yeah. And you were like, uh, let me help you make that decision. Yeah, was, yeah you know, um, for me, uh, it's just a, 
I, I love to hunt, and I have our, I've killed some big bears. I killed a I, I think we weighed that one I killed last year. He was like three fifty, three sixty. Not bear. a huge skull. Like I think he was like eighteen and three quarter, eighteen and five eighths. I don't know. Some my taxidermist measured it. Whatever, but um, I'm not a trophy hunter. I like to kill big animals, mature animals, right. but I don't have to for a uh, hunt to go to to be successful for me. I I this bear's going to eat really good, and Man, I, I love bear meat. I loved you know I didn't know you at all coming into this hunt, and uh, first thing you said, and really before you even knew who I was and what my mission inside of you know hunting is you said man i'm here for the meat yeah you, yeah, re- you truly <laughs> you truly like bear meat yeah i do uh it's funny because not very many people go bear hunting for the meat right it's it's kind of funny it's a, it's actually terrible because if they knew what they were missing out on i mean that osabuco i can't wait to make that and oh, i it never, was incredible that's awesome there's gonna like, be like eight families that were represented at that at the camp over there, or that are here in camp now, that's going to be making that recipe. Bear, oh, yeah, bears no. are in trouble. Yeah, <laughs> I'm yeah. you, man. Osabuco. Hey, when we start, when stuff. we've been seeing bears cross the road, we'd be like, "There goes two osabucos." <laughs> exactly. Osabu. They make osabuco out of the forearm of of well any critter, but yeah. for bear. It. Uh, yeah, bear in a slow cooker is honestly my one of my favorite of all time. I mean, I, I love yeah. bear meat, and my wife loves it. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm a meat hunter. I mean, I'm not going to sit here and tell you that I, I don't like to hunt for big animals, and, and yeah. I'm not going to say that I wouldn't, you know, after a few more bears past the bear I shot, uh, but I'm plum happy. But that, but now that it's happened, you're glad you did. Because oh, I, yeah, yeah. Uh, that's I mean, because we've struggled. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, it, it's not that we hadn't struggled. There's two other boat. Well, myself and another guy are bow hunters. So there are three bow hunters in camp, and uh, and here it is the sixth day. And uh, now I have been close to a couple of smaller bears that you know were within trad bow range. Um, and then uh, Cody has just. It's been a miracle that he's not killed a bear. Yeah, he can shoot a long ways too, and. Uh, uh, the wind has just been destroying, and these bears—they're not stupid. They're—if they catch, they're not giving anybody any second chances. None. If they catch a, if they catch just a a slight movement, which is is rare, I I think, or not rare. I shouldn't say it because this is my first spot in stock. But uh, well, what what Jeff said, we described it in another podcast. These we're seeing grizzly. I mean, you guys yeah. saw a eight foot plus mountain grizzly yesterday in a place that we've been stalking bears <laughs> crawling around on the edge of these fields on our hands and knees for the last four days so these bears are on edge there's a high population of black bears and a very high population of grizzly and so these bears heads are on a swivel so a lot of times when they're spooking from us on a stalk where in different places that stalk probably would have killed 80 percent of the bears in north america here they haven't but the main thing that's killed us has been the wind yeah i mean the wind's been terrible we have not lacked for seeing super bears yeah. every single every day, day. Yeah. but man it, we've we've had i mean i've been like on the perfect stalk i mean like everything was right and then the wind just dumps you in the back of the neck Last the bear second. just skirts off they're done yeah. but you just give us like a three minute version of your hunt okay uh, well, uh, 
I honestly didn't even see the bear. Um, the guide Ryan, he he was. We were cruising down the road, and actually, we had just. Uh, it was the very first. I mean, we flew in. Yep. Drove in, grabbed our stuff, and went out. And uh, we had saw one bear that was a really nice bear, and and he caught our wind. Or actually, well, anyway, we had to drive past him, and we're going to come back after him. But drove down the road a ways, and I didn't even know what was going on. He drove by. I could tell he might have saw something, and he pulled off to the road, and we just snuck back. We had just driven past the clear cut, and we, we snuck back, and then I could see a bear milling around. So we got in the ditch, and it was that deep, deep ditch, and then it came up to the to where the clear cut was and right. worked to where we were in line with it and uh, just sat there and watched it and watched it. I mean, I, I want to say we were probably there for a half hour watching it mill around, and, and it was probably only out there about 30 yards, but it was kind of easing towards us, and he was going back and forth. Oh, it's, you know, it, it's it's not huge, but it's all right. Well, maybe it's a sow. Well, I, I don't know. Maybe it's a. He goes, you can shoot it if you want. He goes, but we got six, six days. You know, it's up to you. And uh, well, that's all I needed. <laughs> that's all so I, needed. I said, I just told him. I said, if it comes to under twenty yards, I'm going to shoot it. And all right. So and it did. It it worked around this big stump, and I want to say it was probably fifteen yards, and uh, was angling by, and it was getting close to it was getting close to dark um shot got a complete pass through it ran off it, it kind of trot like it kind of moved off i almost shot another arrow at it but um it wasn't moving very fast and we thought yeah. oh it's it's done and we ended up looking at the arrow and it, it looked like good blood uh, i felt like the shot was a little high but um anyway it, it kind of went off and got under a a big branch and we thought well it's gonna die there we saw good blood i mean it just it just looked like it was done you know it didn't bail off into the trees so our decision was to get in the truck and go go back and see if we could get on that other see if that other right, bear you had was another there. hunter with you yeah. yeah cody was with us so we were gonna go check that out and let this bear go you know die so we didn't run into having it charge us or whatever yeah. and so we did that, came back, and and now it's getting pretty dark. And uh, we walked over to where it had been, and there's no bear. I was like, oh, man, I know better than to not try to put another arrow into a bear. And right. I was kind of kicking myself. And and I don't know what I was not seeing. The Ryan, he, the uh, Cody, or Ryan and Cody were behind me, and Ryan was over here, and he saw the bear walking away from us when oh, we walked wow. in and he i guess he said that but i didn't hear him so i'm over there looking under this tree and he kind of walks over and he's like it's it was going over there i went oh no it's still alive like so anyway we just start kind of walking along and uh <laughs> he was right here beside me walking and something jumped up like five feet away from us and kind of you could hear it clawing the tree mm. And it, I mean, it was right there and he's like, it's right here. And so I came around the tree and just put one right through its boiler put a second and, arrow in it. and, uh, it just, it climbed up the tree just a little bit and then fell off and, uh, died right there. And your hunt was over on the first day. My hunt was over and, uh, yeah, I, for me, it, it's, it's not a big bear. 
uh but uh that really wasn't what i was here for so well <laughs> you know, I the, mean, the thing the thing about traditional archery is that you the hunt really does become about opportunity and that's does. what it is has been lacking for me here so far is that uh you know you're hunting for a chance yep. you know that's within range that that's within the limitations of the the self-imposed limitations that you've chosen for yep. the hunt which we have which we're hunting with trad bows but uh man well congratulations on the bear and uh it's been awesome getting to uh hang out with you in camp this week and yeah, you uh, too, man. inspiring uh stories about the super 10 and it was fun to shoot with you out here and yeah, uh, it's, it's been a good it's been a great week I've, I've had a ton of fun i uh yeah i wish aaron could have come up with us but uh yeah it it uh it worked out good for me yeah yeah Brent, closing concluders. Well, you guys are all you know. I'm a bow hunter, but I don't I don't do the trad stuff. But I I enjoy watching you guys set goals and practice. You practice more than anybody doing anything that I've seen. I mean, you guys are always shooting to the point that it's hard for me to nap at times because you hear so, thump thump. Yeah, and thump, then thump. and then what I like what <laughs> I listen for is I I hear the string and then I hear the thump. But my favorite ones is when I hear the string and I don't hear the thump because I know somebody's <laughs> shot in the grass. Somebody's got to crawl over the fence and go find an arrow. <laughs> but it's fun, man. It's it's um, it's a unique experience following somebody around with a camera and watching them do this because it's this ain't easy. It ain't easy. Uh, well, lots of fun. Good job. Excellent. Dave. Well, that's good. We're going to close down right here at an hour. Thanks for checking out the Bear Hunting Magazine podcast and keep the wild places wild because that's where the bears live. You ever get that feeling the walls closing in, the concrete jungle suffocating you? You crave some wide open spaces, the chance to connect with nature, maybe in a spot all your own. Well, head over to land.com. They've got ranches, forests, mountains, streams, you name it. Search by acreage. You can search by location. You can search by the kind of hunting and fishing you're dreaming of. Land.com. It is where the adventure begins. Hey, we're going to take a little break here and talk about interstate batteries. Now, if you're like me, enjoying the great outdoors, you need gear that is as reliable as it gets. That's why I power my adventures with interstate batteries. I use interstate batteries in my boats. I use interstate batteries in my camper. Great for your truck, too. From Alaska to Montana, they're outrageously dependable. Battery is essential. With over 150,000 dealer locations, finding one is easy. For all your vehicles, land or sea, choose Interstate. Head to interstatebatteries.com and find your power today.